The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts. Actually, I'm the only host for the uh, first part of this episode. And uh, it is your divisional round, weekend roundup. Uh, Of course, the back half of our episode will be our what-ifs. All right, myself, Andrew Lenders will be joining me for that. And let's go into this weekend's games. It was Upset City uh, for at least the first part so far. Um, I'm recording this a little bit ahead of time just so I don't have to record as much later on. But uh, it kicked off uh, Saturday night, both road teams making, uh, getting victories. Both, uh, yeah, both road teams beating the number one seeds in their respective conferences and advancing on to the AFC and NFC Championship games. Let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. Cincinnati uh, narrowly escaping Tennessee with a victory, 19-16 to victory there. It was a very, very good defensive performance by both squads, offensively a little inept. Uh, Tennessee... Uh, for a lot of variables, of course, the big return of Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry was not uh, exactly himself. Uh, definitely felt rushed back. Was not the Derrick Henry of old. People on Twitter, you know, um, take it easy on Derrick Henry. I mean, whatever you you can be, whoever you want, you know, however you want to treat NFL athletes, go for it. But dude came back three months early from like a six month injury recovery time, six, eight month recovery uh, time from an injury. Chill out. All right. Just, just cut the ship. Regardless, uh, the Bengals, man, their offensive line needs a ton of work. As Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in this game, tying a playoff record. Uh, I forgot when that record was initially set, but uh, Joe Burrow was getting, uh, he got his teeth kicked in often. Uh, very frequently in this game. Uh, he had to resort to a lot of short dump passes and open space to, to kind of get push the ball downfield. It was uh, not the best day for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. But regardless, uh, here are your scoring drives for this game. Opened up with a, uh, with a field goal. Evan McPherson, 38-yard field goal is good to go up 3-0 on the Titans. And then a 45-yard field goal. And uh, close up the first quarter scoring. Take a 6-0 lead. Second quarter. Uh, Titans score on a direct hap, uh, excuse me, a direct snap to Derrick Henry, three-yard touchdown rush, mix, miss extra point, and then before halftime, the final point to the first half, Evan McPherson, a 54-yard field goal is good, nine to six. Third quarter, Joe Mixon up the middle for 16-yard touchdown rush, 16 to six lead there, and then Randy Bullock gets a 34-yard field goal, 16 to nine, and uh, Titans 
tied up at the end of the third, towards the end of the third quarter. Ryan Tannehill hits AJ Brown for a 33-yard touchdown. It was a beautiful pass. If you didn't see it, he threaded the needle. It, it couldn't have been more perfectly placed than it was. There was two Bengals defenders in the area. It was a beautiful touchdown pass, but tied at 16. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Uh, the only points. Evan McPherson game-winning field goal. Uh, short distance this is coming off of a Ryan Tannehill interception with very, very short time left, 20 seconds or so. Uh, McPherson, it's a 52-yard field goal to put the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Your stats for the game, Bengals, Joe Burrow, 28 of 37, 348 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception, leading rusher Joe Mixon, 14 attempts, 54 yards, and one touchdown. And your leading receiver, Jamar Chase, five catches, 109 yards. For the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, 15 of 24, 220 yards, one touchdown, three INTs. Your leading rusher was Deontay Foreman, four attempts, 66 yards. And your leading receiver, A.J. Brown, five catches, 142 yards, and one touchdown. That is your final uh, stats in, uh, in scoring drives for the game. Bengals, 19, Tennessee, 16. Next up, down goes Green Bay, the San Francisco 49ers, in a very, another very, it wasn't a very exciting game if you're looking for offense. Um, defensively, it was, uh, it was, it was not too shabby at all. Uh, I did pass out <laughs> at the end of the first quarter. I woke up after the game was over, seen the score. I was like, what happened? And then I eventually watched the highlights. And, um, yeah. I am, th- I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. What I'm, I gotta say, I'm impressed with San Francisco. Um, again, I, you know, I said it many times in the show. Thought they were the most overrated team coming into the season, and they are not by a long shot. They will be on the road in the NFC Championship game. I think they understood that. And they kind of understand that, and uh, they're they're winning gritty football with defense, special teams. Jimmy G's just kind of. <laughs> Kind of there, as my good friend, uh, as our one of our co-hosts, Derek Jaws, pointed out, um, <laughs> as as he pointed out, Jimmy G somehow his special he's like, he's like a Pokemon, and he gets other quarterbacks to play to his level, <laughs> and it's absolutely hilarious. It, it, I thought it was kind of funny, but yeah, San Fran upsets uh, Green Bay thirteen to ten. It was uh, relatively close throughout the game. Green Bay actually had the lead, and then. Um, a blocked punt from the San Francisco 49ers special teams unit right in the end zone, a blocked punt touchdown, uh, gave San Fran the, uh, well, tied it up. And then of course a field goal, uh, put them in the, uh, put them in the NFC championship game. Your scoring drives are as follows. AJ Dillon up the middle, uh, to kick it off with a touchdown run, six yards, seven, nothing lead for the pack. Uh, second quarter, Robbie gold. hits a 29 yard field goal, three to seven. And then Mason Crosby hits a 33-yard field goal, 10 to three. There, fourth quarter, a uh, blocked punt, turned touchdown. Uh, Hufanga was the one who uh, got the touchdown, and uh, Jay Willis is the one who blocked it. So, um, so yeah, then the extra point is good, 10 to seven lead. And then closing moments of the quarter, Robbie Gold 45-yard field goal is good. San Francisco moving on to the NFC Championship game. All right, next up, Tampa Bay and the Rams. All right, the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-27. to And uh, what many are saying could be 
Tom Brady's last game. It could be. I'm not sure where those reports came from, but uh, that is some of the uh, the rumor and innuendo going around the NFL right now. Regardless, the Rams uh, got off to a very early lead. Bucks ran it back. They started to uh, started to close in in the fourth quarter, and the Rams just got away with it. Of course, winning off the uh, the, the the foot, the kick of their uh, their kicker Matt Gay. Great, great game, start to finish. Um, yeah, it looked like the Rams were just going to walk away with it. Then Tom Brady and company made it very, very interesting. Your scoring drives for this game are as follows. First quarter, Matt Gay, 26-yard field goal is good to go up 3 nothing. And then Matthew Stafford, it's uh, Blanton for a 7-yard touchdown, 10 nothing lead. Uh, Bucks get on the board with a Ryan suck-up 45-yard field goal, 10-3 to there. And then... Uh, Matthew Stafford, it's Cooper Cup for a 70-yard touchdown strike, 17-3. to And that's all only at the end of the first quarter. Second quarter, Matt Gay hits a 40-yard field goal to go up 20-3. Third quarter, Stafford hits, uh, you know, he go, runs up the middle for a one-yard touchdown rush, 27-3. Then the Bucks start to rally the the uh, the, the, the failed comeback. Uh, Ryan Suckup, 31-yard field goal is good, 27-6. to Uh Leonard Fournette off the right tackle for one yard, 27-13. Fourth quarter, Tom Brady hits Mike Evans for a 55-yard touchdown, 20-27. Then Leonard Fournette, nine-yard touchdown run, tied at 27. Then in the closing minutes of the seconds of the game, excuse me, Matt Gay, 30-yard field goal is good. Uh, Yeah, just just a little bit, I think it was like a minute, 40-something second. It was a, not a whole lot of time left on the clock, and uh, the Rams sank it through. Your stat leaders for this day, Matthew Stafford, 28 of 38, 366 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero INTs. Leading rusher, Cam Akers, 24 attempts, 48 yards. And your leading receiver, it's Cooper Cup, nine catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. For the Bucks. Tom Brady, 30 of 54, 329 yards passing, one touchdown, one INT. Leading rusher, Leonard Fournette, 13 attempts, 51 yards, and two touchdowns. And a leading receiver, Mike Evans, eight catches, 119 yards, and one touchdown. That is it, everybody. That is the Rams and Bucks. Rams hosting the San Francisco 49ers next week at SoFi Stadium. Your Sunday night football game and final divisional round game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills go to overtime with the Chiefs win on the first possession, 42-36. to If anything, I think this might be the game that um, that finally changes things. That finally changes things for this overtime rule. I am no Bills fan by any slight of the imagination, but... With how hard these Bills played and how much was at stake, I know the defense gave up a lot, but um, you got to be able to have both teams with the opportunity. I, I, at least I think so. I'm sure many on the KC side would disagree, or there's some other fans who would disagree. I, I, I don't know. I just I, I think it can be so much better. I think overtime can be so much better. But. Um, but regardless, yeah, Kansas City wins. It was a crazy wild game. Uh, final two minutes, I believe, they uh, twenty five points were scored. That's how many in like two lead changes. It's it was 
it was absolutely insane. Uh, what we witnessed, everybody tonight. Um, I'm feeling for the people of Buffalo. I live here in Western New York. I'm feeling for them right now. Uh, I really am. It, it was. It, it was. It was. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, your scoring drives for this game are as follows. First drive, Devin Singletary off the left end for a one-yard touchdown rush. 7-0 lead. Patrick Mahomes scrambles, uh, answers back for a uh, eight-yard touchdown rush. Tied at seven. Second quarter, Patrick Mahomes hits Byron Pringle for a two-yard touchdown pass. 14-7 lead. And then not too long before halftime, Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for an 18-yard touchdown. Third quarter, Harrison Butker to 39-yard field goal, 17 to 14, and then uh, Miko Harmon off the left end for a 25-yard touchdown, missed extra point. Chiefs in the lead, 23 to 14. Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for a 75-yard touchdown. It was actually it was awesome. It was a 10-second drive. It was one play, 75 yards. Insane arm strength and accuracy from Josh Allen. We're uh, at 21 to 23. Fourth quarter. Harrison Butker, it's a 28-yard field goal, 26-21. Josh Allen responds with a uh, 27-yard touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis, 29-26, with, of course, a two-point conversion. And then Patrick Mahomes hits Tyree Kill for a 64-yard touchdown to take the lead with only a few with, like, a minute left, 33-29. Uh, Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for a 19-yard touchdown, 36-33. And then uh, a field goal ties it up and sends it to overtime. Harrison Bucker, 49-yard field goal is good. And then the Chiefs amass a 75-yard eight-play drive uh, to put the game away. Mahomes hits Travis Kelsey for an eight-yard toe-tap touchdown catch. And that is game. Chiefs and Bengals next week. Here are your stats on the game. Josh Allen, 27-37. 329 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero INTs. Leading rusher, Josh Allen, 11 attempts, 68 yards. And your leading receiver, Gabriel Davis, eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 33 of 44, 378 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero INTs. Leading rusher, Patrick Mahomes, seven attempts, 69 yards, and a rushing touchdown. And the leading receiver, Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. But that is it, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, t- for tuning in to this episode. Excuse me. Uh, well, actually, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Sorry, I've been recording this throughout the day, so you have to you have to bear with me. Um, up next is our what if with uh, Andrew Lenz. All right, everybody. Now we are joined by Andrew Lenz for another what if moment in NFL history. Of course, this is going to be our new consistent episode here on the uh, two-point conversation for our Monday episodes, our new consistent theme, excuse me, in the offseason. We did it the last couple years now, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Andrew, what's going on, my man? How are you? Nothing much. Not too bad. Uh, getting uh, getting ready. It's, uh, well, the day that we are recording, it's my wife's birthday, so going to have some delicious western new york treats pizza logs pizza logs salen's hot dogs milio sapio uh sausage Ooh, very nice and i bought peppers and onions because i ain't no idiot when it comes to having a nice sausage oh that I didn't sound right at all <laughs> no no we're gonna just move right past it yeah comment. okay <laughs> 
Yeah, we're going to be right past that comment. Uh, today, Andrew gets choice for our NFL history what-if moment. Uh, he announced it last week. It's a, it's a really cool thing. This is something I didn't even know that happened until he said it. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, Andrew, why don't you tell them? I know they clicked on the episode and they've seen it, but um, what and why we are uh, we are discussing this one today. Well, it's uh, to put the scene into perspective. In 1969, both the Steelers and the Bears were 1-13. and 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 they were, you know, tied. So it was a coin toss to see who gets the first overall pick in the draft. And there's a young stud quarterback coming out of Louisiana Tech, known as Terry Bradshaw. And and good fortunes for the Steelers. They they won the they won that pick and they got the rights to draft Terry Bradshaw. So the Bears picked second traded away the second overall pick because of that for a bunch of crap it looks like nothing too big and to the chicago bears which i thought was kind of weird your big rivals and you're going to trade them the second overall pick and we know what happened to the bears going over the whole dick buckus thing um throughout that time period all the way up until 1977 and then the steelers kind of birth of a dynasty by drafting back-to-back Hall of Famers in 69 and 1970. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, uh, this, I mean, this, this coin flip uh, definitely was the start of something special for Pittsburgh, who had been largely irrelevant at that point, right? Uh, I know they had the, didn't have their first winning season until the ni- late 1940s. Yeah. They've been around since the late 20s, early 30s, if I'm not mistaken. I think the I would say, I think the 30s. I was going to say, I think the 30s as well. They weren't a part of that original batch of NFL teams. But this coin flip is probably, you know, one of the most, like, wow, how, how crazy is it that Pittsburgh, you know, that this 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 thing happens to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh reaps, reaps the benefits of it. I mean, honestly, the start of this coin flip to me, and, of course, the hiring of Chuck Knoll, um, which happened in what late 1960s 69 69 so these two moments launched propelled the Steelers into being the franchise that they're recognized as today you know being as legendary as they are uh consistently good as they are they've just found ways uh to be successful and Terry Bradshaw was at the helm of it I mean this this legacy of success goes all the way back to to 69 and 70 and it's it's legitimately carried on over the last 50 years all the way up to Big Ben and Mike Tomlin and company it's 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 carried on this legacy of of frequent success frequent playoff appearances um you know AFC championship games super bowl victories all that goes back i think i really do believe it goes back to this this coin flip where the bears um which we're going to talk about at 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 length today i think with or without this coin flip there's still kind of poop um, <laughs> I, I know a little spoiler alert. I just, I just kind of spoiled yeah. the whole episode, but, um, I think it plays the big thing to the Steelers though, too. I know it, it's weird because everybody looks at Terry Bradshaw and it's one of those things you remember the good times, but you don't remember the, the bad 
with Terry Bradshaw. He was not very good. No, I know. I but, know. He said it himself, he, too. He said it himself, too. And here he comes into the NFL, and it's funny with the Bears because the way that you look at the legacy of Terry Bradshaw and how much we talk about the Bears, who really haven't ever had a franchise quarterback since you can't really say since Sid Lockman. I know I'm kind of making you upset with the whole. No, not at all. I I get it. He was there for a lengthy amount of time, but I get it. He wasn't he was never the guy. In mm-hmm. my opinion, never fully healthy. Jim McMahon, sorry, Bears fans, he was not a franchise quarterback. He was not. He was a guy that was there for a little while, uh, but he was not. He was not a franchise guy. He was not. If you think about the quarterbacks of the '80s, he was. You know, he had what, maybe one, two good, solid seasons in a Bears uniform. Yeah, if you watch <laughs> Pey- Peyton's places when he does the interviews the bear super fans and he's they're talking about great quarterbacks and they're like we had sid luckman and uh jim mcmahon for that year (laughs) but yeah he's not he well yeah he never threw over 25 over twenty five thousand yards 500 yards you mean 25 yeah 2500 yards he never threw over that his yeah, 85 was the most he ever threw in one season, Was and he only threw for 2,392 yards. Right. So. Yeah, they mostly won on defense that year. But he was never, yeah. like, he was never that guy. So he's not, you know, he's not your Warren Moon. Well, Warren Moon wasn't a thing yet, but uh, Jim McMahon yeah. was, in the 80s, technically, I guess yeah. he was. Warren Moon, he was never your Warren Moons. He was never your Montanas. He was never your. Um, Reno. Marie, right, Marino, L.A., Elway. He was never that guy. See, Kelly, I don't think Kelly should be mentioned that as an 80s quarterback. No, you're, that's that's probably fair. That's probably fair. But, you know, everybody yeah. think catches our drift. Yeah. Um, I think everybody catches our drift in that regard, that he was never, ever the guy. So, but that's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. So, um. So yeah. So let's go back to this coin flip, and and you said it was it was because both teams were at one and thirteen, one and thirteen, and there was no way to tie break it, right? There was no way to to break this tie. I think that was just the tiebreaker. This is nineteen seventies NFL, right? So they're like, hey, let's let's do this. And they flipped a coin. Flipped and- a coin because that's how. You that's they've done it for a while. There's a couple of teams where they've been like six and ten and six and ten. And they must have went through all the tiebreakers. And so they're like flip a coin. I know I've seen this before, but not the number one overall pick. I mean, this isn't what the NBA Yeah, there's a lot at stake there. (laughs) I I have seen like there's been some interesting like flip of the coin scenarios. Like I read if that if every game ended in a tie, the playoffs and all that stuff will be decided by a flip of a coin and but that's never ever going to happen but um yeah the first pick in the NFL draft that is insane to me to think that this you know a franchise changing draft selection is 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 by chance 
about how many drafts that would have changed if everything if, was done by a flip of a coin. But oh, I, I don't. Know. I've never seen any two teams tie really right. for the number one overall pick. You've always had that one super crappy team. And then the one, you know, crappy team that decided that they were going to win an extra game. Look at the Jets and the Jags last year. Right. No, it's a perfect example. Perfect example. So, um, so let's say, let's say that the Bears end up winning this this selection. All right, they end up winning this selection, and they do take Terry Bradshaw, number one overall in the nineteen seventy draft. I was trying to look at their the Bears team at the at that point in time, and uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's uh, it's really not good. There's a couple names. There's maybe one name that I recognize, maybe two. All right, Dick Butkus, of course, is is one of the few that I know. Um, but quarterback room is not great. Running back room is not great at this time. Uh, wide receiver room is as bad as it's ever been. Well, tight end room, not good. This he doesn't, he doesn't have a good situation. He's not going to a very good situation. Well, no, because you got Gale Sayers, who's Sayers is not there in the seventy. In seventy, yeah, yeah, he is. I, I just I'm on the he's roster. Not, he's not there. Yeah, he played until seventy-one. I just looked at the but 70 roster, look, and he's not there. I'm telling you, man. I'm looking right at him. Gail Sayers, all the way at the bottom. Right below. Did he get hurt that year? Yeah, he was. Well, that's why. That's what I mean. He did, was the final Oh, you're roster. looking at the starters. The final roster. Oh, see, I got him on the roster for Pro Football Focus. I'm looking on Wikipedia. Oh. I don't see him. On the final okay. roster, he's not there. The running back. The running backs in in 1970, and I know I get it as Wikipedia, Craig Bainham, Ronnie Bull, Mike Hull, Ralph Couric, Ross Montgomery, and Don Shy. Okay, yeah, because he suffered. That was that was the left knee injury. Right. <laughs> Not the right knee injury. So, I mean, that could be a what if in itself. Like, what if they did get Bradshaw, and what if – Galsiers never got injured because then you're looking at something great, but we're not in that realm. So the only thing I could think of is there's this guy, Dick Gordon, who had 71 catches for a thousand yards and 13 touchdowns. Never even heard of this guy, but he looked pretty good as a starter. Right. That's but about the, it, though. But I think the strength in Bradshaw with the Steelers was, was the that they have, was the running. Well, was the running game. There's no doubt about it. There is the running game. I mean, obviously, there's some nice pieces at wide receiver too. Solid defense. That came with time, though. That came with time, though. Pittsburgh developed a very good team around Terry Bradshaw. They had a safe bet around quarterback, right? Because he got. You get into Franco Harris and, and Lynn Swan and and I'm sure several other pieces that I'm overlooking. And, you know, those guys come with time. Pittsburgh found their quarterback and they've developed around him. Where we Chicago has shown historically that they've never really 
aside from that 85, like we'll say the 83 to 86, seven bears, that little run, they developed a really good team. You know what I mean? But I just, I, I don't think that, I don't think that Bradshaw is going into a good career situation in, in Chicago. Oh, he went to it kind of like last, last episode with the two uh, Herbert thing. Um, better coaching with the Steelers. Right. I don't know. It didn't seem too supportive in the beginning. Like he said, he, he stunk because they did bench him for Joe Gilliam. And he did. Terry Bradshaw did try and talk to Al Davis to get traded to the Raiders at one point. Right. Because he wanted out. But the Bears are still a mess. I don't think Jim Dooley is anywhere as good as uh, Chuck Knoll. So that's that's the one big thing. But and you read a lot about too a lot about a lot of those older Bears teams, like right, like Ditka said some things. I've read a lot of letters uh, pertaining to the early Bears teams. Um, it was a very divided locker room. And I don't know if that's always been that had always been a thing, but apparently it sounded like it was. Now, what I mean by, by divided locker room is it was legit divided up by defense and offense. There was no brotherhood. The defense hated the offense, play, offensive players, and vice versa. And it had been that way for a long time, even in the '85 Bears season. But that's you know it's just a cultural problem. But maybe and Bradshaw. A, oh, sorry. No, it, it's just maybe it's maybe it's just not a good healthy environment for a quarterback to kind of go to. And that's why the bears have struggled as long as they have. Maybe the only thing I could think of is maybe Bradshaw with his personality could bring a little something to that locker room to, he might clash with Buckus though. That's the only thing with that good old boy attitude where Buckus was. Yeah. I just seen Dick Buckus on Twitter. He's a fucking dickhead. Excuse my language. <laughs> he's calling out everybody. He got verified, and he's just yelling at everybody on Twitter. So if he's like that now, at however old he is, oh, he's always been like we ran over that. I know, I know. He's a very intimidating guy. I can't imagine Terry Branch on him getting along very well back no. in the seventies. I mean, that's the see. I'm see where it's such a great divide because when you look at this at face value, like we said in the beginning. You're thinking, oh my goodness, the Bears are getting a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? But then you got to, like, we got to, you got to think about it. This is a guy that got benched, who his rookie year was absolutely horrible. I mean, threw six touchdowns to eleven interceptions, and he only started eight games. Yeah, eighty-three for two eighteen with one thousand four hundred ten yards. His completion percentage was thirty-eight percent. Yeah. Dick Butkus would have would have wrecked him. He would have, he would it would have been bad. It probably would have been bad. And I get it. Back then, the era is a lot more tougher. The guys more tougher. The coaching's a lot a lot more tougher. A lot a lot more tougher is not a phrase. A lot tougher. Uh, but I just I I don't think it works out for Chicago. I think I think people I think if he goes to Chicago, if Chicago gets him that many look at Terry Bradshaw as a draft bust. Oh, because it's just the bad coaching situations. 
his coaches would have been Jim Dooley and Abe Gibron. And Abe Gibron is a great coach if you ever listen to him mic'd up. Funny, funny, funny guy. But is he is he Chuck Knoll? No way. No way at all. No way. But uh, this the coaching situation, the stability, and like you said, the pieces. Those 70s Steelers teams drafted so well. And the Bears drafted like crap, except for when they finally got Walter Payton. And then later on, they got a little bit better when you can get guys like Singletary, Mike Di- or Richard Dent, those guys. But, and I think that's what, like you said, bolstered them is getting guys like Franco Harris, Rocky Blair, Rocky Blyer. Um, what is it, the 75 draft or 74 where they drafted four Hall of Famers? I mean, that's unheard of. That's how good that's how good they were. Um, but the Steelers without Bradshaw? I think they're okay. I don't think so. Well, no, hear me out. So I looked a little okay. ahead. I looked a little ahead. Okay. I, so you go you looked at the 71 draft. And instantaneously there's three starting caliber quarterbacks there. All right, so no matter who I think in Pit, in, in Pittsburgh situation, that's true. Damn it! Yeah, see, got gotcha. forgot about the seventy-one draft. Wow, yeah, that draft is awesome. Archie Manning, Dan Pastorini, and uh, Christ, Jim oh, Plunkett, uh, Plunkett. and right. and Lynn Dickey, and, and Ken Lynn. Anderson. So some decent names. So I wow. still think in the long run that Pittsburgh is going to be okay. All right, you get yourself a. a I mean, Jesus. A, would they have been the first overall pick? Probably not. No. They probably would have had a few less wins than they did in 1970, which was not great. I think they were a six-win team. Ended up drafting. Um, excuse me. Let me see where they uh, ended up drafting in 70. 70, they had, well, they had the first. 71. Yeah, 71, they were like 10th. They uh, were 8th. 8th. You could... You know, to Frank Lewis, who not a bad name guy, but if you just wait one more year, you could probably let's see where Houston was at record wise. They were four nine and one. All right, it's possible. I mean, those are just the top three picks. Granted, Plunkett uh, number one, number one overall to the Patriots, Archie Manning number two to the Saints, and Passerini number three to the Oilers. If they have enough foresight, if they don't need a co- if they don't get the quarterback that they wanted in 1970, they could go and grab one in 71 and be a okay. They'd be fantastic. They'd be fine. You have a quality guy. No matter, I mean, just about wherever you pick, I think, who whoever you pick, you know, or maybe they have yeah. incentive to trade up, try and trade up into the draft and get one of those quarterbacks. What would Ronnie Anderson go in? Is he third? He's probably yeah, lower. Him and Lynn Dickey are like second or third. Anderson, yeah, they're third round. Sixty seventh overall for Anderson and uh Lynn Dickey, fifty six over. Like, you know what I mean? Houston drafted two quarterbacks that year. Um Houston. Yeah. Oh yeah. They drafted Lynn Dickey and Dan Pasarini. So you know they drafted two quarterbacks that year. You know, it's entirely possible for Pittsburgh to still get a franchise guy here in 1971. 
add another piece or trade back, you know, get some draft capital out of that number two overall pick. It's entirely possible. And who knows? It might have been a better squad <laughs> without Terry Bradshaw. Who knows? Well, they they did have they did have Joe Gilliam, who they said was way better than Bradshaw and had we put an episode on him, did we not? I think we briefly talked about him. Is that the, which one became an a TV announcer? That definitely wasn't Joe Gilliam. Who the heck was it then? This was a That's couple years ago. Don Meredith. Don Meredith, we talked about. We did we need to do an episode. We did an episode on somebody who ended up playing for the Steelers and he ended up beca- becoming like a broadcaster or analyst or something like that. I can't think of one. I know. We've only done 700 episodes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go back in time and find this thing. Uh, <laughs> okay. But they have Joe Gilliam. So even if they don't do it, they draft Joe Gilliam. And, but this is where the downfall is with Joe Gilliam is he had a horrible addiction. So, and I guess Mr. Chuck Noel was not a big fan of it. So that was it. But people say Joe Gilliam had a Marino like release. Like with the cameras they had back then, you couldn't capture him releasing the ball. Right. So, I mean, that's a possibility. But then again, he falls. Could you imagine Archie Manning on the Steelers? A little terrifying. Not going to lie. It's a little terrifying. I, I think it's better than Bradshaw. <laughs> I think so too. I don't see Dan Pastry. Jim Plunkett was put in that same situation as Bradshaw. As well, I can't believe Jim Plunkett's never made a Pro Bowl. Jeez. But back to that. Um, so yeah, I think you, I think you're right. They probably nab one seventy one because I don't think Tim Hanready is getting them to this five and nine unless that defense is. Too- Defense is just absolutely stacked that year. Who is their defensive starters? Where is it? So they still got, because this is still just the beginnings of the the steel curtain. Uh, Mel Blunt, Joe Green, LC Green. got the guys, but listen, if you ain't scoring... It don't matter a whole lot. And look at that. I mean, there's not like, there's like no offensive weapons there at that point, really, for Pittsburgh, right? Not at 70, no. So I still think that without a, I mean, I, I get that, that Terry Bradshaw's record was a little fragile. Um, it, it, was, it wasn't the greatest rookie season, but. You know, maybe you take away the, what, we have three wins or something like that as a starter that year? Yeah, three. Yeah, three. You take that away, you're right there in the mix for one of those top three guys. And again, Lynn Dickey, Kenny Anderson still out there. I don't think it affects Pittsburgh's legacy at all. I just, I, I, I really don't. I think they still get their guy. And I still believe that they go on and have an incredible run in the 70s. 
I really truly believe that. You just it's just a delayed a maybe delayed a year before they get going. But man, those teams were awesome. So you're you, saying the the immaculate reception game never happened. Would never happen. It's it's entirely possible. So we are because let's see. Put give me give, give me who you would take in the seventy one draft. If I hit okay, based on what? Out of all those guys? Out of out of all the yeah, out of all those guys. So those top five quarterbacks. Yep. Right, Dickey, Anderson, Pastorini, uh, Archie, and Plunkett. Plunkett. I mean, I knowing what I know now about okay. this, I would. I mean, to see Archie Manning on a team like that on the Pittsburgh Steelers would be impressive. He would be obviously my number one overall choice. He went that way for a reason. But secondly, there's a part of me that's really interested in seeing what Ken Anderson would look like on that. Me team. too. Because I think he would be that perfect fit for that Steelers team. That game manager, very accurate type thrower. Right. I agree. I would love. Those are the two guys. I don't know how well Archie would fit in, though. I don't know, man. He got his butt whooped in, in New Orleans, and he, he still toughed it out for as long as he could. I think he'd be. I'm talking about the scrambling. Right. But he wouldn't have to probably scramble that much when you got that's monster offensive line in front of you. Yeah. I I still think they're going to make. No, I don't think they're going to go 11 and three, but I still think they make the playoffs. Playoffs. Um. <laughs> in 72 so maybe the immaculate reception does happen yeah i mean it's possible there's there's so many variables with that that who really knows but i still think that i still think that pittsburgh's going to be okay chicago loses the most though oh yeah chicago Uh, i'd still say they stay the same I think that they lose the 85 Bears season. You think so? If they hold on to Bradshaw, which they were known to hold on for quarterbacks that maybe didn't pan out for a little bit longer than they should have. You leave Bobby Douglas alone. (laughs) I think that the way that it gets developed, you think about Terry Bradshaw's career, right? Career when he, when he retired, um, you retired about 83 and listen, when it, it comes to going to a different team, you can't, it's hard to predict how long he would have lasted. All right. Could he, again, he, could he have been a draft? He absolutely could have been a draft bust two, three years. But if you, if we take this with, okay, he finished around the same time. Um, maybe they're not getting, you know, your Jim McMahon's and some of these higher draft picks that helped them, um, that helped propel them into where they were. Right. I can't see Terry. I can't see Terry Bradshaw on a bears team in 84 or yeah, again, that's past his retirement, but uh, yeah. so I definitely can't see that period, but some of these early eighties teams that are getting, you know, going toe to toe against the Joe Montana's of the world, you know, competitive maybe, but I, I think that 
the 85 the build of the 85 bears team was so it was just like perfect the way it all ended up and i think if you start pulling things out if you start taking pieces away they're not looking at a jim mcmahon in 82 maybe i think, that, I think or maybe they're high, maybe they're not high enough to take a jim mcmahon you know um i could i think this sets it f- further in motion do you yeah i still think that it stays the same because it just nothing i don't feel like anything's gonna change i don't think bradshaw is gonna get that nudge of emotional support from i mean he never really got it from noel but you know like okay gilliam did drugs now you're in but that type of thing or ownership wise I don't think Hellas is going to be as warm to him or anything as that of that nature. I still think they, I still think they stink. They get, they get Jim McMahon. Nothing really changes too much. Okay. Maybe an extra win, but the coaching isn't there. The coaching just isn't there. If I did cook came in 83, right? 82. Oh, he did come in 82. Okay. He came in at 82, same year they drafted McMahon. So maybe Dicka sees, I think Dicka's gone by 1970, isn't he? He's with. Oh, yeah, he's not there. He's not with. Yeah, he's with. I mean, playing wise, he's with. Yeah, he's with the Cowboys. Right. So he has no ties. Maybe if Dicka was there and he was like, well, I saw some things out of Bradshaw, maybe I'll keep him. But he's not there to even do that. So I think he's thinking, excuse me, same thing they talk about in the 85 Bears. He's getting rid of the garbage. He's coming in there. He's getting rid of the garbage. Right. I'm going to get rid of him. What has he really done? I don't think... Bradshaw definitely doesn't develop like he does in the Steelers and has a, I think he's a little bit below an Archie Manning career. Maybe there's a couple of bright spots, but nothing too great where it's going to propel him. And he's like, you know what? I'm done with this guy. He's had 11 years. Hasn't really done anything. Why do we need him? If you keep a quarterback for 11, are you going to keep a quarterback for 11 years and say it stays on that progression of the Bears and you only make the playoffs maybe one or two times? Are you keeping that guy? Probably not, no. All right. And then what what did Dicka love to do? Run the ball. Right. And you got Walter Payton. It is cool to think about Bradshaw being with Walter Payton. Even, Even then, though. But it doesn't really change anything. It's it, it's not like he's a wide receiver, right? He's a running back, so you're back to what he would be. He would be doing in Pittsburgh with a lot less of a team. That's where I think it's still the same progression as what it is. Is maybe when Walter comes, he has a little bit better numbers because now when he does throw the ball, but. It's a lot easier to put up numbers when you're throwing to Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. Yeah. I, I, that's for sure. That's, 
that's that's where I'm getting it from. I think it's situational. The coaching is better. The scouting was better in Pittsburgh. I mean, if you look at all the ticks through the 70s, everything's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, 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 Pittsburgh. Coach, Pittsburgh, coaching staff, scouting department, owner at that time. You could probably even give it to Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, Bears fans, to go against Papa Bear. But the Rooney family at that time, I think we're willing to do a little bit more than what Hallis was doing. I think Hallis still wanted control. And the Rooney family was like, listen, Noel um, and you, and the scouting staff, go get us, make us a winner. And that's what he did. Right. Where the Bears just coach from coach to coach to coach, just random guys that I think almost in a way that Hallis thought he could turn into puppets. And plus, he didn't want to pay anybody. You don't want to go anywhere if you're not getting paid. No. No, that is true. That is true. So I think largely a lot of things stay the same. Um, largely. In fact, the, the Steelers maybe a run of dominance, a little bit heavier run of dominance in the 70s and probably into the 80s. I think it's longer. I think they give... Uh... The Dolphins were a little slow, right? 80s were a little slow for the Steelers. They didn't draft too well (laughs) when it came to the 80s. They didn't do too well. Yeah, we talked about them whiffing on Marino and and, and all that in in 83. Senior sack would have not been that bad. But compared to what we see now, they definitely whiffed, (laughs) whiffed when they didn't pick Marino. Yeah. But I don't see... I don't see anything changing for the bears and it probably gets better. Like you said, I agree with you on that one. It gets better for the Steelers because they can get, they could get a guy in 71 and I completely forgot about the 71 quarterback draft that, but they could get five really good quarterbacks. And that's something. Who do you think Noel would have preferred? I think he probably would have preferred maybe. I don't know if he would have went for Archie. For some reason, I just, in my mindset, this Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry type thing where, you know, things are going to go this way. If they had a top three or if they had the number one, I think it would have stayed at Plunkett because he was more of a pocket passer. And then if they had to go lower, I'm thinking Ken Anderson, knowing what I know now. But Archie would have been fun. That's like the fun pick. That's the fun pick for me. Like, I would be like, oh, imagine Archie out there, you know, doing what he's got to do. But then again, would Archie? Oh, no, because he ran a lot in college. Yeah. So it's one of those deals. I think the biggest thing is Terry Bradshaw's legacy. He's There's nothing. And I think one of those guys, you know, one of those, one of those players be, just takes a spot in the Hall of Fame. One of those quarterbacks takes a spot in the Hall of Fame. I think whether it is a Pastorini or an Anderson, maybe a Lynn Dickey, Plunkett, you know, getting in, right? He's not in, right? No, no, not I never even. Met. I can't believe, it. which is shocking. The guy won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, it took Tom Flores forever to get in. It sure did. Sure um. Did. But yeah, it's. It, I think you're looking at Terry Bradshaw's legacy. 
man, I don't want to say Tim Couch or Jamarcus Russell. Maybe a Jeff George of like more of like a what could have been in that sense. Right. And you listen, who knows? Or too, Jim Plunkett. He could be traded out. Yeah. There's a chance that Bradshaw is traded out to a good situation. You know, um, who knows what they would do? I, you know, the Bears are weird. Papa Bear is, is, yeah, he's going <laughs> to try and get as much value out of a player as he can. He's not just going to cut a former first overall pick. It doesn't work out in a couple years. You trade them, and who knows? Maybe we are looking at another success story. You know, maybe Terry Bradshaw's career is right back on track, depending yeah. on where he goes to. A team looking for a quarterback. So, but simply like that's a very deep rabbit hole. That's very that. very deep. <laughs> but I think we summed it up perfect. He he's not a Hall of Famer. He's looked at as a draft. Well, me. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's looked at as a draft bust. The Steelers, if they get a quarterback in 71, which we say that they are, they'll be fine. And the Bears, I personally feel, are still the same going into 85. Yeah. Yeah. I I may not necessarily agree with the, the 85 Bears part, I could definitely see it being a possibility. You did explain it nicely, but I think largely that's that's kind of where we we are at with this. So not yeah, not too much deep dive, you know. Listeners, uh, you know, we've had a, a a couple you know listeners reach out to us, let us know what they think for these what ifs. Please continue to do so. We've gotten some really great feedback from these episodes. We want to know what you think would happen in these what if uh, in these what if situations. So, like, whether it be by Facebook, whether it be by, um, you know, email, whatever it may be, reach out to us. Let us know. Talk to us. We love to uh, hear what you got to say. Um, if you are not a part of our Facebook group, everybody, or Facebook page, please come and find us. We're doing a jersey giveaway on our Facebook page. We just crossed 10,000 likes on our Facebook page. All you have to do, all you have to do is like our Facebook page, screenshot it, send it to us. You get one entry into a, a free, and it's your choice. It's not that we're, we're picking the jersey for you. If you win, you get to select your jersey choice, and we will ship it to you. You like the Facebook page, screenshot that you do, send it to us via email or Facebook. You get one entry. If you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot you doing it, send it to us. You get another entry. If you, if you give us a five-star review on Spotify, all right, five-star review on Spotify, screenshot that, send it to us. You get a third entry. You can get up to three entries in this. We're going to draw on March 1st, I believe I said. Um, See so who the winner is. And if you, get, you win, you get contacted, and you get to win a jersey, we'll buy it for you and ship it to you. Pretty fair. Pretty fair trade-off. So go find us on Facebook. The two-point conversation. It's a great Facebook page. We're very proud of everything. Very thankful for everybody who has joined in on our on our page so far. Um, and yeah, next next metric is twenty k, right? Twenty k. I That's would the say next so. big milestone twenty twenty five thousand. So and, we're getting, oh, 
We're going right. to say also, uh, if you want to join us for trivia, beyond the trivia episode, please shoot us an email, message, anything like that. Say, hey, I want to be a part of it. We can set you up, you know, with the date and time that we're going to record. We record everything from Zoom and also our Retro Fantasy Football League, which is kind of a DraftKings type thing. It's not a week by week. It's one off show. So if you want to become, you know, check out, see what this Fantasy Retro League is all about, please once again, shoot us an email or message through Facebook as well. So you can be a part of that. We love having listeners content creators anybody come on this show seriously yeah we we just want to talk with new people we have a whole group of hosts i don't want to hold them down for the off season they did their work they worked hard for me during the the season so um literally this is open to anybody as long as you're cool and you want to jump in and join us we'd love to have you you can just zoom in off your phone whatever it may be we'd love to have you on so um so, all right. So that is it. I don't have an episode picked out for next week. We're, we're gonna, we got to deep dive a lot this season. And I like that. So I will have a, uh, I will have something ready for you guys next Monday, of course. But, um, but that is it for this week. All right. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two point conversation is good. Yeah, spot.